0: And kind of like the one thing I really enjoyed at student works was I never felt like I was in a corporation or like there was a hierarchy. I think that's a leader as well. Mm-hmm. someone that kind of sees everything as like uh, very horizontal and like flat across and like everyone's opinion matters. doesn't right. matter if you're 18, 19, 20,
1: yeah.
0: um, you know, like everyone's opinion matters and you're going to listen to those opinions and, and there's going to be nothing else there. There's going to be no, no, well, you know, Hey, you've only been here for a year. So what is, what? what's your opinion matter? Really? Yeah. But it's like, no, like it does certainly matter. I think everyone frontline workers, managers, like, you know, leaders, especially like everyone's opinion matters. And, um, yeah, I would say that's going to be the main focus. I believe in the future is like not belittling people because of their, their kind of status within the company or how they're doing and not looking at it as like a hierarchy, like everyone is on the same page and we're working
1: together to achieve whatever mission we have. Welcome. really excited uh i've got a young recent district manager operator from our program he was one of our initial window cleaning operators and our window cleaning business has gone from you know his first year i think we were maybe a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of business and we're you know trending for four or five million dollars this year you know five five and a half years from when riley was here and he's a big part of helping make that success happen and he's really focused a lot of energy um you know, in time time with student works and in time afterwards as in real estate. And so he's been mentored by by a number and he's a partner, a number of our amazing past alumni, James Fedick, Corey McKinnon, shout out them and you can check their their podcast. You know, he's just a couple of years out of school. He already has four million dollars in real estate that that he's involved with, um, joint ventures. Um, he's got ten coaching clients that he's working with with Corey and another forty coaching clients that he's developed on the internet through some online marketing uh, programs that he's selling. Really, really up to stuff. Um, really exciting, you know his his mindset and focus. And um really long-term focus on, you know, just long-term success, what it's gonna take to, to, to build a long-term successful life, not just financial success. And I think everyone's just gonna love uh, this podcast, you know, really, really amazing success from a young, young entrepreneur. So, you know what I'm up to is finding amazing young, you know, students to make a real impact on them. So if if you know anyone, please. Share this podcast, please send them to studentworks.com. You could also write me an email, Thompson at studentworks.com. Thanks so much. Have an unbelievable day. So, Riley, welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. Really excited to have you join us.
0: Yeah, likewise.
1: Glad to be here. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's uh, uh, you know, it's actually been a while since we've been able to connect. I know, obviously, you're a, a previous. Uh, high performer in our business, district manager. You were there the first year of our our window cleaning business. It's it's quite remarkable the the progress that we've made. So how many years ago was that?
0: Ah, uh, yeah, it would have been five and a half years ago now. When when I was the uh, the first window cleaning operator.
1: Yeah, first, yeah, Riley was the first, first window one. cleaning operator <laughs> that year. I think we finished with three, <laughs> and then Riley came back, and then and then was our you know our, our well I guess our first or second you know produced district manager and then you you, you're uh, a bunch of your uh, team members are still around and still creating fantastic results and 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 it's it's amazing and uh you know congratulations for that contribution to the to the program
0: yeah no thank you it was a blast and um yeah had, had an amazing time there and uh yeah i'm so glad to see that the the group's doing extremely well too like it's you know quadrupled in size in the last year it sounds like so
1: Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. I know it looks like our average operator will go from $50,000 last year to over $80,000. So it's just, you know, we, we actually never saw those window cleaning averages as really a possibility when we got started. And uh, had we, had we, we would have started sooner, but anyhow, that's, (laughs) but, but let's start, let's start talking about starts. Let's talk about your start. So before you joined our program, Riley, you know, who, who was Riley? Uh, You know, what, what frustrations did you have as a teenager before you got started in business
0: yeah i guess looking back it would have been yeah like in my late teenage years like 18 19 and i got started with the program kind of the the latter half of like uh my when i was 19. right yeah like you know certainly for me it was just doing my best to like make a buy like money wasn't really a focus at all and it was just like you know uh, Getting up to know good really with like friends or whatnot. And like not, you know, really just going around and just enjoying playing sports. I was really like into track and field. Right. That's probably that was my main focus. And I think that's where for me, like I I ended up kind of understanding what work ethic meant and yeah. really being able to focus on something. And and you you kind of work all year and you get super good um at just like with your work ethic and like training to ultimately like run this two minute race at the end of the year to shave off a second or two if you're if you're yeah. lucky. So I, I think that's where it all started for me in terms of my work ethic, but that's really, that was my main focus and, and who I was, was someone that really didn't understand leadership. Um, I didn't understand business, didn't mm-hmm. understand assets either. Right. And um, and yeah, and then student work certainly opened up my eyes to the idea of being a business owner, what that could do for me, uh, the results economy for sure, and just right. being able to, to kind of earn my
1: keep and be be able to to make my own worth at the end of the right. day. Right. Right. And so, so I, I know you're a university of Western grad. So, so you were, you know, on the, on the, uh, varsity team. So, so what, what, what did you, what, what, what event did you run? And then what, what did you take in school as well?
0: I ran track. Yeah. For, for about two to three years at Western mm-hmm. and it was kind of like middle distance, I guess is what you'd consider it. So it was okay. an 800 meter race. Okay. And, and I'd run the 400 as well, but the main kind of focus was the 800 meter. Yeah, and, and so I was doing that alongside of taking kinesiology in school, which uh it's safe to say right now I'm not really using that much at all. Um obviously I learned a lot about health, nutrition, yeah, and, I, and that's I, all good. And we take that for granted because it's pretty important. And and at the same time, yeah, in terms of my career path, like it's not really being used or applied
1: at all. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. And 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 like like you said, just those those basic habits though. And I, I love what you had to say about, you know, One of the things that sport teaches, especially when we do it at a really high level, you know, I'm a, I'm a big believer. If you look at, you know, uh, Angela Duckworth, she wrote a book called uh, Grit and what she discovered again and again and again with successful people is successful people have spent a, a, a long time doing something, you know, and learning the tools and the mindsets and the habits of mastery okay and and you know again the setbacks of of training and training and then maybe not getting the result you want and then turning around and doing it again and then of course you know excelling and and again you know competing at you know when you're competing at that type of a level at a university level, it's really, really hard to, to be the the best at that type of level. It's, it's not as hard to be the best at, you know, back in high school, you know, and, and, you know, Nova Scotia, but then all of a sudden, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm competing at the national level, at, you know, f- for representing Western. It's like, wow, this is really tough. And understanding that it's those, those extra little things, and that transfers over into your career that transfers over into all sorts of different things, you know, and, and have, have you found that?
0: I have. Yeah. I think you, you really hit on a really good point when, uh, yeah, when I was in Nova Scotia, I did quite well. usually like top two, top three mm. in the races that I ran in the province and then coming to Western, like Ontario is obviously 10 times larger than Nova Scotia. Yeah. Uh, much more competitive, especially at the university varsity level. I yeah. was like middle to like bottom of the pack for yeah, pretty much the entire time I ran on the, on the team. So it was humbling for sure. And, uh, and I, yeah, I think that was, Certainly something that taught me a lot of humi- uh, humility, because in sports yeah. up until that point, I, I was quite good. Um, mm-hmm. And then coming year, it was like, yeah, it was definitely, definitely quite, quite humbling in terms of the race too. Like when we're looking at track and field, I th- when I look at track and field and what that was able to do for me in business, so interesting. I feel like that's where I kind of learned the idea of like running your own race yeah. and being able to try to personal best, like beat your record every single time and just competing yes. against yourself over and over. And there's also a team component too, which is kind of interesting, similar to entrepreneurship where day over day, I'm trying to beat myself and I'm just comparing myself to who I was yesterday, but there's also that team component too, when you have like employees and people that, that work
1: for you. Yeah. And then also as well, I'm I'm sure you've also developed a network of people who you work around and work with, right. And they're kind of, they're running their own businesses alongside you, et, et, et cetera. So there's there's a pureness to it. You know, it's like, yes, I'm responsible for me and you know, Riley, however, whatever you describe your business in the different ways it is, right? But my 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 business model, and I'm 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 being supported by other people. I'm supporting other people, I've got my team. So all these different types of things. And I and I love as well the the personal best. You know, I know our leaders uh, you know, listening to our pod are are, are here and they're going, How can I? get the type of success I want. And one of the things, you know, <laughs> that I like to say is, well, one of the biggest things we need to recognize is it's, it's patience, it's patience, it's patience, you know, a big part of being successful. The road is long. And, and sometimes athletics actually teaches you that, you know, it's like, Hey, you know, and maybe even you saw, like, I certainly saw, I was an, a, an, an elite varsity athlete. I saw that I was never going to meddle. Uh, like, uh, you know, I, uh, you know, go, coming in, it would be really, really tough for me to be number one in the nation. Like I'd, I'd been competing long enough to see that didn't know how that could happen. Right. And again, I, the best I ever got was top eight and, and it was really, you know, just an incredible performance to get there. And, and so it was like. But, you know, you still go after it, you know, and just, you're running your own race and you're, you're, you know, and then, and then you're later on transitioning to the race that matters most. And that's, that's your life. (laughs) I'd say that's the, 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 the most, the, the, you know, and taking those lessons over.
0: Yeah, exactly. Even just like the delayed gratification, like you'd be working so hard and my entire focus, what I was eating, going to sleep on time, like making sure I was like focused for track practice, you know, after school. Like all those mm-hmm. little habits, I think back then, like started to really come out when I ran my, my business with student works and what I'm doing mm-hmm. today as well. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think like, uh, you know, so grateful for sports back then to be able to teach me delayed gratification and working hard for just in that that millisecond or like one second off your time. And, uh, and, and that certainly carries over today where it's like, you know, work a whole year to just see like that little percentage of improvement in your business and who you are.
1: Yeah. yeah yeah and and you're right like what successful people have is the ability to delay their gratification and, and so so you know what do you still rely on from the program
0: um yeah i guess like ultimately yeah like i, I think again the big shift for me through the program was just looking at the idea of like self-improvement personal development self-improvement um being able to communicate effectively um, Mm. was a a really big thing and being able to have like fierce conversations. I wasn't really able to do that as much. I I found like before the program at all, um, really just steered away from those conversations. And now like I, I encourage them like in my relationship with my girlfriend, like with my relationship with my parents and my friends and my, my employees and my business partners, right. Whenever there's anything at all that comes up and is bothering us or, or might just be kind of hanging over um our relationship in the air, like you need to address it. You need to bring yeah. it out on the table and deal with it appropriately and clear the space, as we say, in the program mm-hmm. and, and move move ahead. Cause if you don't do those things, there's little ripples, there's little problems that kind of fester. will yeah. snowball and you're gonna have this ginormous elephant in the room that you can't really clear as as easily. And it could could be the make or break. So we, you know, especially my business relationships, as soon as yeah. there's a problem, just addressing it. And uh, yeah and that's something I learned most
1: definitely from the program. Yeah. And one of the things as well is, is people don't see that, that these little things, a lot of times someone doesn't notice it. Oh, am I doing that? Oh, am I clicking my teeth? Or am I, you know, whatever? Oh, sorry about that. Is that bothering you or or whatever? And And then there's other things that those things that are a problem are just opportunities for solutions. So it's like, oh, I'm seeing this. I'm noticing this in our relationship. or I'm noticing this. You know, what what could we do to improve this? Right. So it's, you know, again, I think I think one of the biggest things is people see them as bad. No, conflict's fantastic. Conflict's the the, the, the root of solutions and making your life work. And when you're when you, as well, you're both putting your relationship first. Hey, I really, you know, you're important to me. I this relationship really matters. And I was wondering, could we talk about this concern? Yes, we could. And then one of the great things as well, as I know in your, the, the business partners you're working with, I guess, have both been, um, on, on the podcast or both student works alumni. And that's, and that's really helpful. Like, what about that in terms of working with people who you've got almost a a language together, you know, a shared values, how helpful is that? I can't even explain
0: it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't think it's actually possible to like, yeah, I, I think the network at student works, it was just incredible. And it, it's mm-hmm. been invaluable to me and like my career, what I want to do for work and right. being able to surround myself now with like people that are so similar to me has tremendously helped. And, uh, you know, like obviously with, with Corey, um, mm-hmm. working with Corey McKinnon, uh, and, and going through, uh, being, being around him for for the better half now of like three years. Right. And then James Fedek and like working with him as well as a business partner. And, um, a bunch of other people as well, and just staying connected with them as well. Like, you know, I, I still have phone calls like once every couple of weeks with people that I operated with or that right. I DM'd. And yeah, it, it's just incredible to have that network and I think it's invaluable and you kind of take it for granted when you're in it. Yeah. Um, but it's when you come out where it's like, oh wow, I can see this being that extra lag up where, you know, yeah. uh, I couldn't imagine being in the entrepreneurship world riding solo, so to say. Yeah. Like it's way better to just be in that community group and have a mastermind happening like once a month. And
1: yeah. um, Yeah. Yeah. One of of the things that they actually talk about in, in entrepreneurship is that so many entrepreneurs are really, really up and down, struggle with depression, man, you know, mania, like kind of get really excited and then really down. And I think one of the, one of the, like there's, there's a lot of things, you know, ADD, but there's a lot of things that entrepreneurs, sometimes that happens because they don't have the structures or it's the things set up in their life to support them. So, you know, when you've got, again, a peer group who you set up and great, let's have a weekly call, let's I'll hold you accountable, you hold me accountable, we'll work together. And so I know certainly in our in our program, we're coaching people, this is really unique environment that you're in. And when, when you leave, you're going to want to keep this environment. We're not saying, oh, then you have to stay here forever. No, that's not the idea. (laughs) Um, you know, we, we know there's a period of time that people stay and we are you know, we're, we're always excited to see all the amazing things that they create. And it's, it's like seeing it's, it's like while you're in it, trying to raise the awareness that this is going on, you know, this cooperativeness, this competitiveness, this accountability, and you can create it, you know, it's, it's, Harder because we create it for you in our program, and so that you have to create it on your own outside it. But like you said, it is possible.
0: Yeah. No. Exactly. Um, yeah. I, again, I can't can't mention enough. Like when it comes to to the group and no, yeah, just, yeah. Just, and I think you, you hit on something interesting there. It is competitive for sure. There's certainly yeah. just with the type A personalities and the people that are, are are in it and and they're doing the program and they're they're running their business. There's certainly going to be like that leaderboard. Ultimately, yep. even after, you know, there there will be some yes. sort of like, you know, competitiveness where you're like, oh, like you know, he's doing really well or she's doing yeah. well. I'm gonna,
1: yeah,
0: I have to work harder. You know,
1: but I want I want to figure that's this healthy.
0: out. Yeah. As long as you're not obsessed with it and yeah. you're not constantly comparing, that's the downfall. It's like you're you're actually just using it as a
1: motivator or a driver. Um, yeah, hundred percent. And, and again, it's, it's, it's comparison when I'm feeling in a good space, I'm comparing yeah. myself to some of the really exceptional people. And if I'm not, I can always go compare myself. What am I, I'm lucky I'm a Canadian. I got this, I've learned this, I, you know, so, so again, like you said, using those comparison things in a, in a really great spot to manage our mental health and our, in our, in our mindsets. So why don't we, why don't we sort of walk, walk through, like, like, frankly, you know, uh, you know we we we've got you on the podcast so early since leaving and again you know obviously the reason for that is cuz you're really up to stuff right off the bat which is fantastic we love to see that and you're up to really kind of unique things that I know as well a lot of our a lot of our young leaders are are interested in and really as well. It's kind of a young space that you're you're involved with. So and why don't we start with a bunch of the mentorship that you you that you received from Corey McKinnon. And again, I, I'm not sure what episode he's in, but but Corey McKinnon, maybe we'll we'll have, we'll have David go pull up the uh in, in the show notes what 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 episode so everyone could go, you know, listen to Corey McKinnon and and just, you know, what an amazing entrepreneur he is. But why don't you share sort of sort of the guidance and working with Corey and what that gave gave you. And then I know you're Still working with Corey and, and what what you're up to there.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. So so during my years at Student Works, Corey would come in and actually just as an alumni of Student Works and, and the program would uh would be speaking on the stage.
1: And you know, pretty much I think every year I was there. Actually, he was he was he, every presenters. year. We every year we, yes. we pull on Corey because he's amazing. <laughs> and yeah, no, you know, for, for sure. He's just know he, and uh, you know, he's always been just an enormous contributor to the program. So yeah.
0: Yeah. So naturally I knew. knew you know, a decent amount of Corey. I had I, never had like a longer conversation with him, you know, uh, pre-working together, let's say. But uh, right. and yeah, I I started really becoming interested with like assets. I wanted to re- run like a renewable energy business. And mm-hmm. I realized that the, the barrier to entry, like the startup fee was going to be a lot more than uh, than just a, a crew kit with squeeze mm-hmm. and, and window cleaning supplies. <laughs> so I was like, okay, like, let me go try to get a loan. Naturally, the bank didn't want to give me a loan because I didn't have yeah. any assets. So that's yeah. kind of le- what led me down the path of understanding assets and real estate. And Corey was the probably easily the most successful person in real estate at the time that I knew, Mm -hmm. um, in terms of just his portfolio and what he's able to do and how he was able to scale. Yes. And and so, yeah, I reached out to Corey and he was luckily enough, you know, it was kind of a coincidence, maybe meant to be, but he was Mm -hmm. looking for extra help, um, in the same city I lived in, in London. And naturally I just started working with him. So over the course of, I would say a year and a half. Um, He had me in the position of like doing acquisition. So we were finding properties to buy, analyzing them, placing offers on them to buy them. I was overseeing the the renovations and all the property management. Just again, kind of invaluable. It was my Mm -hmm. foot in the door in in kind of understanding real estate and how the business worked, uh, specifically like the investing side of real estate. And again, I didn't really know how successful Corey was in the real estate investing world, especially just in, in Ontario here. Mm-hmm. extremely well known and, and uh, was speaking on stages all across Ontario. We went to Winnipeg as well. And that was awesome. Just to kind of, kind of took me under his wing. Right. And, and we flew across Canada a bit and, and he was speaking on stages and I would be in these rooms with people that again, they own tens of millions in real estate and did extremely well. And I mm-hmm. probably shouldn't have been in those rooms to be honest, <laughs> the level I was at, uh, right. at worth and whatnot. But yeah, v- very fortunate to be a part of that. And uh, his guidance again, like that was, Exactly what kind of set me up to run my own real estate investing business. Uh, had it not have been for that, I think I I still wouldn't have even bought my first property. yet. it's a long, long journey of uh, of learning, and the industry goes very deep with knowledge. So it takes quite a quite a while to really soak it all in. And a lot of that knowledge you can't really get from reading books or uh, you know watching YouTube videos. You have to really be immersed and on the court, mm-hmm. like, we, uh,
1: like we like that speak, we talk you know? about, it. Not, not yeah. On the yeah yeah no, and 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 i know as well uh you know just well i, I know cory really really well and so so speaking for cory there's no question that a huge part of why was he interested was because you had had developed a track record to be able to coach and mentor and learn and and so this was an opportunity to sort of help scale his business to the next level take a younger person to sort of go and move the needle and again one of the great things i think one of the things that a lot of times people don't understand is, is when you have success, you want to help, you know, uh, share it, you know? And so, so yes, when Corey goes and speaks, you know, part of it is, is he's growing his audience. He's growing his potential future coaching clients, et cetera. But a big part of it is, is, is just making a difference, making a difference in the world, trying to be a contribution, which he is. And so, so I think that's a natural thing. Oh, wow. I got it. And, and, you know, and. And, and again, you're, you're further ahead than he was at his age. And it's, and it's, and one of the things to recognize is just again, how long a road, I I can't remember what, what, what age Corey bought his first, first property, but I know it was, you know, sort of, I think it was in his thirties. I, you know, but it was 31. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, And so, so, you know, and then, and then making progress, making progress, making progress. And it's, you know, the, the, the growth pattern, you know, it's, it's, it's a long game real estate, you know, and you can see the results, but a lot of people just aren't patient enough to, to, to have the results. But, but one of the things I want to dig into is, is I know Corey's developed a really successful coaching business. And so he's had, uh, you know, people by, by getting his name out, building a brand name, he's had all sorts of people come to him and get coaching. And so what ends up happening is if you do that end up, you can only coach so many people, you're, you're, only have so many hours you're willing to devote to coaching. And then all of a sudden he's got extra and who does he go to? So tell us about that and what you're coaching people on and how, how, what that experience has been about.
0: Of course. Yeah. So kind of early on, I would say within that first year, we started brainstorming ideas in terms of his coaching uh, business. And that was um, a really great complementary business to his investing portfolio. So naturally when you kind of reach a certain level, it's like, okay, well, you know I, I don't really need much more cash flow i don't really need many more properties like how do i kind of give some of this knowledge back and help others and mm-hmm. so he had he'd had been coaching then for yeah, uh, i think close to like a decade or so in, in the real estate investing industry and uh you kind of get maxed you can only take on so many new students a year and help them one-on-one and and so he started working with more advanced people they were kind of at five or ten properties and then Chloe's well, like, well, there's probably an opportunity here to kind of help more beginners, like people that are, are starting off. So he uh, he connected with me and we started brainstorming ideas around how we could scale. And um, a year and a half ago, I think it was around 15 to 20 students that he had currently that he was working with. And now we have over 50. And uh, and that was just purely within one year. And so I actually coach uh, around 10 students now that are kind of be more beginners or between between like zero and five. Um, and I helped them just to kind of systematize everything, break it down, create the processes and be able to level up and, uh, and get to like maybe 10 to even 20 properties in the next two to three years.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and again, you know, one of the reasons why you were capable of doing that, and again, he was interested in pulling you on is because you're a successful district manager. So you had many years of experience of doing that. So, and again, you guys understood a methodology, uh, you know, again, a coaching methodology as well that I'm sure he's still using Because why wouldn't he, you know, and we ripped off and duplicated the coaching me- methodology from the best in the world anyhow. So, um, so we'll show you the books that we took it from. Right. So, so, you know, yeah. but yeah, no, that's, that's, that's awesome. And, and, and I guess one of the other thing that's really great is how have you found coaching these people to you know, take on their first properties and move their first properties from one or two to three to five, actually helping you as a real estate investor. Has that also improved your game? Yeah. Like,
0: man, like looking back at student works as well. Like when I was a DM, I didn't realize how, what do I say? Like ineffective or inefficient. Like it just, I wasn't, I was a pretty good operator. Like I ran a good size business and whatever, but you don't really understand something until you're trying to teach someone else. And yeah, You can really poke holes through like your entire setup and what you're doing day to day and how that works when you start trying to teach someone else. And yeah, I I remember like making a social media post. It was like um, I I was presenting in front of the student works group, and and the caption was "Who's teaching who?" Because I really did believe like I was being taught more than they were from just being able to teach. It's kind of funny how that works, but yeah, the same thing is true for sure. When I'm doing my real estate investing coaching, is just being able to teach someone else helps me. Uh, inevitably, as a byproduct, learn as well how the business works that much more. Um, and, and I don't think there is ever going to be a part of my my life where I'm not helping other people, like whether it's quote unquote as a coach or a mentor, yeah. whatever it is. Because yeah. again, I think that's really how we level up. That's how we become better. Is yes. when we're helping other people because that's where we can find those imperfections or just ine- inefficiencies, whatever we want to call it, yeah. and be able to to uh, become better. You know, day to day.
1: Yeah, no, there's no question. You know, again, you're you're sitting there and you're noticing someone's late for a meeting. Riley was on time for this meeting, um, you know, and and you're you noticing someone's late for a meeting, and then you go. Hold on, I'm noticing this in my coaching call. Well, where am I late? Okay, you know, and again, how's my standard? And then, and then, oh, I, I think they should do more, you know, canvassing and looking for opportunities in neighborhoods. Well, hold on, where am I doing that? You know, and and again, it's oh, gee, I, I you know, they they look pretty rundown, and they're not they're they're not getting enough, uh, you know, sleep or working out or health. Well, how am I doing that? So so it's just so fantastic when we're coaching. It helps us put a mirror onto our activities, onto our our process, and again a loving mirror, you know, not a judgmental mirror, just like when we're working with people, you know, just, Hey, what do you think? And is there an opportunity to come to a higher level? And yes, I want to. And, and then again, you see that excitement and then that, that motivation and you, you, you get off the phone and you're excited and you're motivated, right? And okay, great. I want to do this for my, you know, for my business. So it's really awesome. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. So I can see we've got we've got that one part of the business, you know, how is your, your real estate portfolio and how, what do you, how are you structuring your real estate portfolio and, and, uh, you know, as well.
0: We're, we're, yeah. I guess currently we're up to around 4 million in uh in a year and a half. So Fantastic. Yeah, it's been, been definitely a rush, <laughs> a lot, lots going on. And yeah, I, I guess when I started off, like, you know, a big challenge for me was a money and mortgage. Like I had enough money for a down payment Yeah, and, uh, yeah, it my my mortgage capability wasn't where I wanted it to be. Yeah. So I, I learned about the strategy called joint venturing. So I was able to really partner with people and uh, and take down properties. And you know, I remember Corey actually mentioning he's like, Yeah, if, if I could do something differently when I was in my twenties, he would have uh, done it that. It would have been to partner with people and to do joint venturing. So that that really stayed with me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, well, naturally I'm gonna do that then. <laughs> yeah. That's the advice he's given me. Yeah. So so I, I started doing joint venturing and Um, actively we have just over eight joint venture partners and we're buying multiple properties with them Mm -hmm. and and we we are looking to take on some more every year, of course. Mm -hmm. And, um, and yeah, so, so we can go and we can buy two units, three units, four units kind of within that multifamily residential space. And then as well, we're, we're doing a few single families that are Airbnb projects. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're looking to, to grow around, uh, eight to 10 Airbnbs this year Mm -hmm. alone and Yeah, so that's a lot of fun for sure. It's like doing the renovation, being able to furnish those properties, be able to list them on Airbnb, have a bunch of guests come in and enjoy that space. That uh, that definitely is quite fulfilling for us right now is the Airbnb side of the business, but uh, a long-term kind of place for sure. The multifamily residential, those are properties that we're going to hold for 10,
1: 15, 20 years. Yeah. So, so why don't you just, you know, I certainly understand joint ventures, but why don't you describe to our leaders, how that, how that works, how that, how that operates, how you share profits, et cetera.
0: Yeah, no, it's pretty straightforward. I, I guess the easiest way to break it down would be if, if we look at being able to like create a partnership in anything, like you have to be able to provide certain resources and whatnot. So the, there's really four, uh, mean kind of, resources, let's say that come into play when you're looking at creating a partnership in uh, a joint venture here in real estate. Mm -hmm. So I break it down into the four M's. So you have like Mm -hmm. the the money. So if someone provides the down payment, the renovation cost, uh, if it's Airbnb, it's the furnishings as well. Uh, That's 25% equity or stake in the property. Okay. And then the next M would be off-market properties. So if if someone provides like the off-market property, so it's a discounted property needs some, some renovations, it's distressed, but it's like really good. It's been analyzed, it works well. That's another 25% equity. So whoever finds that property. If someone has the mortgage, so you have a really good mortgage there with like an a lender, one of the big five banks in Canada, that's another 25% equity in the property. And then the last step would be the management. Uh, So the management, you kind of break down into renovation management. So overseeing all of the day-to-day operations of the rental, doing the property management. So re-renting units, maintenance requests, And then the last um kind of piece there of management is the financial management. So doing the cash flow documents, expense reports, profit and loss statements, making <clears and throat> sure the business's financials are, are going well. Right. And that would be another again, 25% for all of management. So uh, what what I've kind of done right now is really become the expert, I would say, in like the management piece yeah. and in finding the off-market properties. So naturally uh, you know, that's 50% equity right. in the property. And then someone else would be providing the the money in the mortgage, but they're not doing any of the active work. They're not right. Uh, you know, they don't have to lift a finger. They just put in the money, the mortgage, and they're silent. They get an ROI every single month on their money, and right. yeah. So we, yeah. we split the equity, and then we also split any profit, like
1: the cash flow month to month, right? 50 um, as well. Okay, uh, yeah, and 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 again for our, for our leaders, so that there's a whole bunch of people who have lots of money and no time. You know, they're actively involved in making that money, or maybe they have a bunch of money and they say, I don't, I I don't want to put any time in I'm, I'm good. And they're looking for uh, a business venture. That's going to offer a a really good rate of return. And, uh, you know, and. You know, Riley can offer this business case that says, here's the return I can expect. This is what we've done. Obviously for you, you're probably leaning on Corey's rep to a certain extent or, or whatever, here's, here's what, what, what I've done. This is where I've been working. Or maybe the initial people are kind of closer, um, you know, and and then then eventually it spreads. I know Matt Andrews, who's also been on the on the on the on the call, has you know developing more and more people who are interested in in investing. Where initially it was family, friends of his family, and then it starts to grow. You know, again as you start delivering results. So it's a pretty pretty exciting, pretty exciting model, um, and it's it's enticing for like you said, the young entrepreneur doing the hard work, the management, like you said, the finding the opportunities, finding the, the the deals that really work. I know probably a lot of people as well are thinking, gosh, where's the real estate market going? You know, Riley, gee, it seems over, you know, overextended. I was, I was sharing before stories, you know, just that, you know, it's, it's people have been saying this has just been overblown for, 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 for a decade and it keeps coming up. And if you're reading, you're seeing that Canada is just an enormously inflated real estate market. How do you look at that? How do you, you uh, you know, guide your real estate uh, investments or partners uh, around what, that, that, that a bubble may be occurring in a real estate market.
0: it's yeah, a really good question. I, I would argue that it's probably the most asked question right now. I have quite a few phone calls every week with people that are looking to partner or yeah. invest or even just do some coaching and they're, they're always hitting on, on that question. I think it's pretty important right now to be aware of it and at least kind of have a good understanding. Yeah. Um, I always like to say, just like being humble here, I guess a bit too, like I haven't been through like multiple real estate cycles, like, you know, typically yeah. the cycle 17 years. So a lot of the kind of knowledge that I have right now around the cycles and how they work come from my mentors that have been, you know, I've had a few now in real estate investing that have gone to, through like two, even three cycles. They right. understand how this works. So when they talk to me, my ears perk up a bit more than uh, when when someone that hasn't been through a cycle kind of talks about the topic. Yeah. So, so yeah, what, what they're telling me and what I'm kind of understanding as well is, yeah, every 17 years, naturally, there's a cycle. We're really coming to that top of the cycle, I think within the next year to two years where it might come down and I don't know about a recession. I think that's a pretty aggressive word, but we might see a five, 10, 15% dip in housing prices. And then naturally things come back up. That's just mm-hmm. how it works. So if you're yeah. looking at the numbers, if you're looking to stay, if you're looking to buy right now for just a year or two years and then sell the property, I think it could be a really bad investment. I think you might be in trouble and you might be caught with your pants down, you know, so to yeah. say in a year or two, but um, really though, um, if you're looking at like five or 10 year horizon horizon, yeah. Like the investment yeah. period or term, then, then I think you're going to be fine. Like ultimately yeah. the things do come, you know, the cycle does come back up every yeah. five to 10 years, even after the dip. So if you're looking at that long-term, then you're going to be totally fine. So it's always a really good time to buy. If you're doing the buy and hold, you're going to hold on to it for five to 10 years. And as yeah. well, you're able to really mitigate the risk by buying it a bit more inexpensive. It needs some work. You're able to, to put some really good strategic renovations to play. Where you know, hey, if you spend 100 grand on the property, it's worth an extra 200 grand now. Right. You can kind of make that spread and have a bigger cushion or pad on the investment. So that if the market does come down 15, percent the property is still cash flowing completely fine and it, it's still equal to what the fair market value is of the property in the current time. Because if you're overpaying for a property, and this is where people are going to probably lose some money naturally, if yeah. you're overpaying, you're overspending on the renovation. You're not really able to get high quality rent or tenants in there that are paying great rents. And then the market does come down. And the worst thing too is like you're in this variable interest rate and then interest rates come up from the 1.5 that we're kind of at to like three or four. Now yeah. you're cash flowing negative. Yeah. So you're maybe able to pocket a $1,000 a month. And to top it off, you can't really sell the property because you bought it for five and now it's worth three fifty. Yeah. So do you sell it and lose 150000 or do you just soak up this negative cash flow of $1,000 a month? so that's where people are going to get i think um again kind of left behind and, and they could lose money but if mm-hmm. if you really know what you're doing with like buying at a discounted rate renovating strategically uh, mitigating those costs and getting top market value for the rents then yeah you're going to be totally fine if you're holding on to it for yeah. five to ten years
1: yeah i know and, and certainly i've been i've been around a lot longer so certainly i remember times in the late 80s where it was like you'll never be able to buy in the market's so high and 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 then you know, in the, in the nineties, the market just went down and then it stayed down for a real, real long time. You know, like, and, and then people started going, oh, there'll be no equity increase in the real estate, you know, and, and, and that, that was kind of what was being said. And, and again, both of those comments don't make sense. It's, it's like, you know, like there's, there's cycles of, of, you know, that, that go down and that it's, it's how can I protect myself, you know, when this happens and, and how can I, how, how can I you know, cautiously optimistic, you know, prepare. And, and so, so it's, it's, you know, especially as well, when you're setting up, you're really, what you're doing is you're setting up a business, you know, here's my business, here's my Airbnb business, here's my rental business. And so again, the, the house, the housing goes down as long as it's not going down too much to put it at risk of where the bank's coming and wanting to take it from you, you know, and that, that, that it's still cash flows then. Okay, great. You know, we're fine. And, 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 and again, in five, 10 years, more than likely it's going to come up a lot. And, and I can tell as well, Riley, the game that you're playing is a, is many, many year game, right? So you you know, it's not like you're living high off the hog. Yes. You're developing a lot of, you know, quote unquote assets, but those assets are really not paying you a lot of money. Right. Like how, how do you look at that in terms of, in terms of, you know, how, how you, how you see a net worth or how do you see, you know, cash et cetera. Or personal cash flow especially
0: yeah it's definitely coming full circle here with like the whole concept of delayed gratification you know we're, mm-hmm. we're yeah constantly obsessed with like the five ten years out mm-hmm. period and like what what could things be worth then how much equity will be built up cash flow is like never really a main focus with the mm-hmm. airbnbs we do cash flow quite well like three to four thousand per month mm-hmm. um on average so that would that's pretty good. Usually, I have to buy a four million dollar building to try to get four thousand dollars a month in, in cash flow. Right. So the Airbnb's are kind of our cash cows, so to say. Like they make good money month to month. But the long term play is yeah, uh, definitely going to be like these apartment buildings, like the multifamily properties, where we're able to get, you know, at, at least hopefully two percent right uh, appreciation every year. That's just inflation rates um, year over year. So if we're going to hold on for ten years, to you know, call it a million dollar building. That's going to go up naturally and we're going to make a good amount of money long-term. So there's really three different levers that I kind of look at when we're like, looking to do an investment. The one lever is going to be your cash flow. So how much profit mm-hmm. do you make every month? The next is going to be your equity. So as, as you have more tenants and a bigger mortgage, you're going to gain more equity because the mortgage being your, your mortgage payment there, the principal in that mortgage will be your equity that will build up time, you know, year over year. Over time. And, and then, yeah, that, that last lever is going to be your appreciation. So you know appreciation in Toronto or whatever, really anywhere in, in Ontario in a lot of cities at least you've seen at least a five, even up to a twenty percent appreciation. So if you own a million dollar building in Toronto this year, it could have actually went up to a, you know one point two million. So you just made yeah. two hundred thousand dollars without lifting a finger. People do tend to forget though. Hey, if things come down twenty percent, you could also lose two hundred thousand. So I, I never buy an appreciation. Appreciation is always that like that variable that it's like a bonus, but you have to be cautious of it too, because it be, could be depreciation uh, yes. on, on the flip side. But you're always looking at, like for me anyway, we look at kind of that middle class, like being able to still cover your $1,000, know, $1,200 $1, a month rent payment. So even if the, right. the economy does come down a bit and we see a, a recession somewhat after COVID, that they're still able to afford that $1,000 or $1,200 a month. And so the mortgage payment still being covered. The cash flow is still coming in. We're just going to hold on to it for a bit longer to be able to make sure that again we're kind of breaking even with what it's worth, right? If, sure. if things do
1: depreciate. T- so one of the other areas we're going to talk about is just your, your online business. And so so tell us about that, and tell us about you know what what you saw and the opportunity to get involved in in in, in you know in selling uh, uh, education online.
0: When I was doing my education um, here about three four years ago on real estate investing, and I was going to conferences and events uh, workshops, like, you know, a couple, couple weekends where I'm like paying a thousand dollars or like just kind of going into these groups as well with Corey. And I, I, I learned a good amount, but I had found that whenever the speaker and they would do this quite a bit, would ask the group, Hey, who, who owns property in here? Like who who has one property or who has five, 95% of the group wouldn't raise their hand. Like no one owned any property. And and it's interesting because there, there'd be all these programs or coaches or whatever, whomever that are kind of teaching things like, you know, I'll teach you this strategy, I'm going to teach you that strategy. One of the things I really learned from student works was setting a results goal, and and definitely an action goal as well. But the result, I think, was never being focused on. Right. And it was obvious that for a lot of people get going from zero to one in their their properties, uh, in, in terms of how many income properties they own, was the biggest leap. And so I was like, geez, like, you know, for me, it took two, two and a half years to buy my first property, even with a great mentor, even with full immersion and reading all these books and listening to all these podcasts and watching YouTube videos. But I still didn't buy that first one. And I was wondering, like, I wonder if there's someone out there helping people go from zero to one, I just want to focus on the result. And I want someone to really help me go from zero to one, like, right. And hold me accountable and give me the result. There was no one doing that. There's people that were teaching multiple different strategies But again, like no one really getting getting that result for people. So I finally bought my first property. And then looking back, I wish that again there was a program or someone to help people go from zero to one. And that's what I'm doing now. So, yeah, helping a a good amount of people do that. So, you know, taking on maybe 50 or so students a year, 50 to 100. And uh, and that's my main focus with them is, you know, I don't stop working with them until we get them that first property and it's managed like profitably and passively. And uh, and if it takes them partnering with someone else and me teaching them and educating them
1: how to partner with someone that has money to mortgage, then that's what we do too. Okay, great. And so, so how you how you finding these people? You know, how you you know, how's the structure of the program that you've set up, Riley?
0: We're, we're finding them really on online. So I'm you know on quite a few podcasts. We're doing kind of this podcast tour. Okay. In the next sixty days, we're trying to be on thirty podcasts. and awesome. Just kind of spreading the word and. So, you know, a good amount of people are coming through there and, and listening to the podcast. Mm-hmm. And and outside of that, we're, we're on social media. So on Facebook and on Instagram, uh, doing some social outreach and connecting with people that way. And we have a website as well. So not, naturally, we're going to have some traffic through the website. We don't right. do any paid ads right now. So we're okay. not paying for anything. Everything's quite organic. And uh, yeah, so those are kind of the funnels, so to say. People are coming through there. I, I make a lot of blog posts, right. um, writing a book too, hopefully that kind of does 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 well in the space and attracts more people. Yeah. And, th- and then the structure. So I, I kind of break down what we do in program is like there's a backend portal. You log in, there's 50 hours of content. There's homework and assignments after every single week. Right. And so people are learning and then they're taking action. They're learning, taking action, going one week at a time. Okay. And so we teach you everything that you need to know in, in terms of how to go from zero to one and buy that first income property in about 50 weeks and about 30 to 40 hours worth of uh, assignments and exercises that you're completing. Okay. Alongside of that, too, we do Q and A calls for 20 weeks. Okay. So during that 20 weeks, that's our runway that we work with to get people that property. And if it takes them an extra couple of weeks, we'll just continue working with them until they get that property. But that really allows me to show them a lot more. Something I got from Student Works was the uh, the show the, don't uh, tell the value of like show not tell. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and, and it's it really does surprise me like how many people don't do that in coaching or or in mentorship and. When they're trying to help people. They just tell them a lot of information similar to the education system, at university I found, but they don't really follow up and show you how to do it. And that's what I'm I'm doing my best to do here is, you know, I'm jumping on phone calls with people selling their property off market on zoom and showing them how I would communicate using the scripts that we have and actually analyze the properties that they're finding live on zoom and ultimately holding their hand through the whole process. So there's really never a time where they have to ask themselves, what's the next step? They just know what it is. Right. And now it's a matter of taking
1: action and doing it. Yeah, that's great. Cause so often, you know, again, it's like, oh, I'm reading this, but is that right? Or 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 just one other question from someone who's done it. It's like, oh yeah, no, that's no, you're seeing that right. Or, oh no, let's look at this too. You know, and then all of a sudden people feel like, oh, they've got the confidence to move forward. They've got the confidence to take action. So and 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 my understanding is you're up to like 40 clients in that in that business. Is that right? Yeah,
0: yeah. 40 clients. We've been kind of actively kind of in the space now for, for the better half of uh, six months, but, but mm-hmm. uh, really it kind of started influxing in the last two
1: months. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, congratulations. No, really, really amazing. And, uh, you know, again, it's, you know, amazing, um, all the different ways that you're making progress, Riley. So congratulations. So, so what about mistakes or failures? We talk a lot about, a lot about things that are going well, things that you've succeeded in. What about mistakes and failures that you see and you look back on?
0: Yeah, the the one business that I tried to start up, it was going to be called Student Maid. I was going to be uh, running like a maid service. This was like okay. like a, a late night like idea I had with a friend, and we're like, let's run like this maid company. And we we didn't have any passion for it. There was zero interest. <laughs> but it was just like, I think this could make a lot of money. Like right, you know, this right. is a good idea. We should probably right. do this. So we actually went into like incubators and we're trying to get funded and raise some money to like start up this this maid you know, service where we're going to be cleaning people's houses on the inside, right. sweeping right. floors, mopping, doing their dishes and folding laundry, whatever we could kind of do inside. And like that, that seems like a really good idea. It, it, it really didn't end up being one. We, we, it was a complete disaster and kind of embarrassing to be honest. But yeah, I think the failure there would be that we were really focused on just the pure profit of, right. the, of, the, of the business. And there was no level of like enjoyment or satisfaction. There was no, there was no passion there or fulfillment. So it didn't check the boxes that we, we really did have. And so therefore it just ended up being that we weren't working those extra hours in the evening or on the weekends, because yeah. why would you, if, if you're not enjoying it, um, yeah. money is never the driver. That's the truth. And I think I've learned that quite a bit now, but you know, back then when I was really running, trying to do that business, it just didn't make sense because I, I was just focused on the money. And so yeah. therefore I just failed. Like it didn't go well, yeah. we shut it down and uh, yeah. looking back, it's pretty obvious as to why that happened. And it was purely again, cause I wasn't doing it for the right reasons.
1: Yeah, And, and so no. now it's
0: like, for sure, I'm just doing things that check the boxes that make me really happy and fulfilled. And therefore I just perform better. Like it's yeah. money's the byproduct; it's never the main focus. And I think that was yeah. the the learning that kind
1: of came out of that experience. Mm-hmm. No, that's awesome. I love, I love that. And, and, um, you know it's it's I can tell you really have been passionate about real estate for a long time and and you're even talking about oh going to these conferences watching youtube videos you know we're you know someone I remember someone yeah uh, You'll tell me, well, hey, do you pick up the, the financial paper? Do you pick up the sports page? Or do you pick up well, what do you do like with your free time? You know, what do you what are you reading? What's 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 what you know again, or videos? What are you watching? What's what's got you interested in? And again, obviously that can turn into a financial opportunity. Cause some things we're interested in obviously are not a financial opportunity. That's just a passion. That's an interest. Okay, fantastic. It's it may not be possible to capitalize on that. So What what did you need to change about yourself, you know, as, as you went from a, you know, university student to a value creator in the real world? I would say,
0: say, yeah, like getting off my high horse. It's Mm -hmm. funny, funny, like how many chips I had on my shoulder looking back. Okay. Just very, I don't know. I I don't want to say full blown entitled, but like, I think naturally I was a little bit, Uh, I Mm -hmm. just, I felt like I deserved a lot. And and the truth is we don't like, we need to Mm -hmm. understand, like we live in this great country you know things are so so awesome in canada they really are and we can obviously poke holes through it as much as we want but you have to be quite grateful and i think that's what i needed to change was really just becoming grateful for all the things that i have and um started doing like that gratitude exercise every morning where i'm writing down the three things that i'm grateful for and i just created this habit in my life where it doesn't matter what's happening if we have uh, an issue with tenants that aren't paying rent um, yeah. or if we have an issue with, with a contractor, like right now we're doing two renovations at once and well, it's the most expensive time ever to do a renovation. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. Yes. Quadruple in price. So that's, yeah. you know, not going so well, as you can imagine, yeah. Yeah. but there's lots that we can still be grateful for, even though like these things do happen and, and come up. Yeah. And, uh, and I wasn't, that wasn't a habit in my life. Um, when I was like in, in high school, mm-hmm. uh, I was being grateful. I think I was very pessimistic and I was like a little negative, but just deserved yeah. a lot. So yeah. I walked around with my shoulders back a little bit too far. And, mm. um, you yeah, know, it's
1: changed quite a bit for me, most definitely. Oh, that's awesome. That's a great, that's a great habit and a habit that I share with you. So, uh, so, so actually speaking to that, that what, what key habits would w- someone want to steal from you?
0: Jeez. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm going to have to, geez, I'll have to, uh, yeah, I'd say work ethic. I, okay. I work pretty hard, uh, probably too hard. Mm. My parents and my, my girlfriend are like, yeah, you got to slow down a little bit. <laughs> But, uh, you know, everything comes, comes in stride and you have to take it in balance and and make sure that, you know, all the things in your life work. And I've been pretty focused here recently on like the holistic approach to life, making sure that my work ethic is good. And that I'm passionate about like work and that, Hey, I'm enjoying it. And of course, improving and doing that personal best, you know, trying to do myself every single day in, in the, in the business world, but also trying to implement that too. Now in like my health and my nutrition and with my family and friends, uh, Cause you know, it's one thing to like do well in just business and like make a ton of money or whatever. But if, if like your relationships aren't going well either with like your friends, your family, you know, with your relationship with yourself as well, yeah, yeah. mental health and uh, your physical health, like those things will matter. It's, you know, it's it's like a big mm-hmm. wheel, right? And that yeah, if yeah. one of those spokes in the wheel break, or if they're not in balance, then it's not, the wheel is not going to turn very well. So, you know, I think that's the habit right now for sure. is just a really good work ethic, working hard, but ultimately that ethic or or you know, work ethic kind of carrying on into the other relationships as well in your life and and how you're treating
1: yourself and your body. Yeah, fantastic. It's that whole sphere. You know, again, it's 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 like okay, you know, There's, there's, uh, you know, my enjoyment of life. There's my, my career path. There's my, my asset life. There's my, you know, again, my relationships, my family, my spirituality, my, you know, all these different things that really matter, you know? And again, you, you know, you, you, you might think, oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. No, no, no. It all really matters. Everything, you know, there's a bunch of things that matter. Some things don't matter, but there's a bunch of things that really matter. And, and over time they matter more and more. So, uh, so, so just kind of, you know, consciously being aware of that building the habits to support that that's 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 awesome so final question uh you know riley when you think of a leader of tomorrow what comes to mind
0: yeah i would say a leader of tomorrow is like very inclusive they're going to be Mm -hmm. including everyone in the world Mm -hmm. and not you know uh not isolating people like you're just very open-hearted like and and kind of like the one thing i really enjoyed at student works was i never felt like i was in a corporation or like there was a hierarchy i think that's a leader as well Mm -hmm. someone that kind of sees everything as like uh, very horizontal and like flat across and like everyone's opinion matters. doesn't right. matter if you're 18, 19, 20,
1: yeah.
0: um, you know, like everyone's opinion matters and you're going to listen to those opinions and, and there's going to be nothing else there. There's going to be no, no, well, you know, Hey, you've only been here for a year, so what is, what? what's your opinion matter? Really? Yeah. But yeah. it's like, no, like it does certainly matter. I think everyone yeah. frontline workers, managers, like, you know, leaders, especially like everyone's opinion matters. And um, I would say that's going to be the main focus, I believe, in the future is like not belittling people because of their their kind of status within the company or how they're doing and not looking at it as like a hierarchy, like everyone is on the same page and we're working together to
1: achieve whatever mission we have in the company. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it really is that that piece, you know, one thing people say, oh, wow, it's amazing how this person treats everyone well. Well, why wouldn't you? I, I've always felt like like why is that such a a great thing from somebody who's who's achieving a lot of success? Well, again, why wouldn't you? It would be my answer. And 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 again, it's like why wouldn't I listen to everybody because they're seeing things from their spot that I don't see, right? They're experiencing things, you know, speaking to clients that I don't speak to. We have, I don't know. I'm not sure how many thousands of clients we have, but you know, I got to tell you, I don't speak to a lot of them. You know, I'm spending my time with my district managers and operators really supporting them and my team at the office that that's where my time goes. So when people are telling me about things that they are experiencing with their customers i'm interested right and 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 you know even more importantly we will not influence anyone unless we're listening to someone you know and really really getting their world and then all of a sudden hey wow they're okay you know riley just got me okay i can get it and then oh okay from there you may be able to again get them to see something different get them to sort of again Make actions, you know, change, change what they're experiencing on the court, change what they're experiencing in their business and their lives to, to 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 get the type of success they, that they want, you know. But it's not going to happen from you, as you mentioned, telling them what to do <laughs> and not listening and just telling them what to do. That's not going to work. So, yeah. you know, for for our leaders who are interested, in what you're, what you're up to? You know, uh, how how would they get in contact with you, Ronnie?
0: Yeah, I'd love to connect with anyone, uh, especially with this group. You know, uh, my, yeah. my heart. My heart's here with the group and, and I'd love to help anyone that's kind of on the journey. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's like understanding just a bit of financial literacy or yeah. assets and what these properties I've, I've kind of made that my main focus in the last couple of years and love to help anyone. Um, yeah, I guess the easiest way to kind of get any questions answered or just even quickly connect would be uh, you could go to my website. It's at RileyWickel.com or you could go to my Instagram or Facebook and you can just DM me there or message me. And that's awesome. at RileyWickel
1: Investor. Okay, Riley Oikel investor or rileyoikel.com and it's O I C K L E and we'll put that in the show notes. So Riley, thanks so much. Really really excited to see how much progress you're making, you know, just rocking it and no surprise of course. You know, let's keep rocking it and uh, we will we will talk soon. Thanks, Chris. Pleasure. Okay, thanks my friend. Cheers. Bye-bye. Hey leaders, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Bye now